Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. Romans 4, verse number 18, the Bible says, who against hope believed in hope, speaking of Abraham, that he might become the father of many nations, according to that which was spoken, so shall thy seed be. And so what is that a reference to Genesis 15? I know we've looked at it before, but let's look at it again. Because it's important for the context of this message. In Genesis chapter 15, verse number 5, watch what it says. Uh, And he brought him forth abroad and said, look, this is the Lord speaking to Abram. And he said, look, now toward heaven and tell the stars, if thou be able to number them. And he said unto him, so shall thy seed be. And nothing happened. All God told Abram to do was look up there and just start counting the skies. And he made a promise concerning his seed, but nothing happened yet. It's just God and Abram having a little chat. And God made a promise to Abram. And watch what it says in the next verse. And he believed in the Lord and he counted it to him for righteousness. Now, praise God. And in Romans chapter four, when it says who against hope believed in hope, this is a supernatural hope. You imagine God pulling you aside and say, yeah, just look up to the heaven. Start counting the stars. One hundred, two hundred, two ninety nine, three hundred. I mean, at what point do you lose count? And God says, yes, so shall thy seat be. Yeah, right, Lord. But he didn't. He, he believed God and his belief in what God said. What did God do? He counted Abram as righteous. And that's a picture of our salvation. Look, I can look back on my life. You can look back on your life. You, If you've been saved for a year, you know, you know more now than you did the day you got saved. You're saved for five years, 10 years, 20 years. There's a Christian growth process. And you find out, well, I got all these benefits when I got saved that I didn't know that I had when I got saved. You believed and then you doubted. And then you doubted some more and then you got some things right in your life. But that moment that you believed is when God counted you righteous. Same way with Abram. But when Abram believes God, nothing happened in his life. It was just look at those stars and I'm going to make a promise. You see, that's a hope. Who against hope believed in hope. It's a, it's an unnatural man wouldn't reason that out. And what is happening in Romans four is this. The Jews really need to think about. How Isaac was conceived and how Isaac was born. Well, we're going to plan our family. 100 years old, 90 years old, barren. 
And if you were to say to somebody at that age, yeah, God said we're going to have a family. That's what's going on. Now, they messed up and they schemed. They believed God's promise. God has to remind them again about the promise. They come up. I mean, you find out after chapter 15, you get into chapter 16. And what happened? Abram and Sarai are scheming and they come up with this idea that they'll do it on their own. And there comes Ishmael. Isaac was a supernatural promise from God. And we're going to see a little bit more of that in a minute. But the Jews, Paul's trying to get them to get a hold of. You've got to get rid of your thinking that you're going to do something. You're going to keep circumcision. You're going to keep the law. You've got to get rid of that. And you've got to come to God the same way Father Abraham did. Believe what he said. Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11. Look at verse 8. By faith, Abraham. Verse 9. By faith, he sojourned in the land. Look at verse 11. Through faith, also Sarah herself receive strength to conceive nothing else but faith can lead a woman of that age to believe that medical doctor is not going to convince her her friends and family are by faith she believed god and was delivered of a child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promise. How many of you have made promises and you've reneged on that promise? Okay. We need to be careful about saying, I promise. God promises that we can trust God. <laughs> I've said some things that, oh boy, I shouldn't have said that because I can't deliver on it. Don't look to me. Don't look to your spouse. Don't look to your friend. Don't look to your workmate. Don't look to your boss. Job security is over. <laughs> Don't believe the promise that he told you he's going to keep you hired forever. Don't believe the politicians. Well, I promise. I pledge. I vow. Liar. They'll say what they want to say to get votes. You know, a little hush money kind of helps uh, a little bit there, too. You wake up one day and you got money just magically appears. They don't print money anymore. It's just whew, electronically appears. Trust us. Trust us. Don't trust the promises of man. Trust the promises of God. People will let you down. Preachers will let you down. Church people will let you down. God won't let you down. Don't hold it against God because sometimes God's people don't keep their promises. God keeps his promise. Uh, look at this verse 12 in Hebrews 11. Therefore sprang there even of one and him as good as dead. So many as the stars of the sky and multitude. And as the sand, which is by the seashore innumerable it's as good as dead they can't have kids it's going against all odds it's not logical it's not reasonable 
Life situations will cause you to look at circumstances and not God's promise. You're going to go through trials. You're going to go through tribulations. You're going to hit some rough spots like Kelly was preaching and teaching about this morning. You're going to go through the woods and the briar patches are going to get on you. You got to look toward God. He is faithful to keep every one of his promises. All right, back to Romans chapter number four. We saw in verse number 18, again, hope, believed in hope. They may come the father of many nations. Look, Genesis 15, Hebrews 11. Now we move on to verse 19. Watch what the Bible says in Romans 4, 19. And being not weak in faith, if you're weak in faith, you look at difficulties and you look at problems. And your circumstances determine whether or not you're going to move forward. But God doesn't look at difficulties and God doesn't look at problems because he's God. So who do you think we should have our eyes on? Our difficulties or our problems or our trials? This is how people end up on psychedelic drugs for depression because they keep looking at their problems. <laughs> we can solve it right now. Do you have a problem? Stop fixating yourself on it. Look toward God and get a hold of what he promised you. Yeah, but life is hard. Yeah, like you're special. I'm not making light of anybody's problems. I know I know people have horrible problems that I don't have to deal with. And every time I hear somebody's problem and I'm thinking to myself, man, I didn't have to go through that. I feel bad. But I've gone through stuff that you don't want to hear about because it's going to get you depressed. And you've gone through stuff that I don't want to hear about because I don't want to be depressed. <laughs> Look, I'll tell you my problems to get some help. You'll tell me your problems to get some help. I'm telling you, we need to just get it off our chest, give it to God and move on. The more we replay, well, this is my problem. This is my difficulty. This is my trial. Well, stop replaying that in your mind every day. <laughs> You know why the news is so popular getting people scared? They keep replaying the same thing over and over and over and over again. And so what we have to do as Christians and as Bible believers is we've got to keep replaying the same things over and over again. Look at God. <laughs> so we're not weak in faith. He considered not his own body now dead when he was 100 years old. Neither yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. So you've got two men. They're traveling back home. It's cold wilderness travel. They come to a river. The river's frozen over. But as they test the ice, they realize, well, the ice isn't real thick. So it can go either way. So one guy looks at the circumstance and the difficulty and the problem, and he says, I'm going to stay here. I'm going to stay back. The other guy looks at it and says, I'm going home. And he walks across the lake. He walks across the river, and one man goes home. The other man stays in the cold. And I'm not trying to get any parents nervous, and I'm not trying to tell anybody to just go ahead and find a lake in the middle of winter and walk across it. What I'm saying is there's a difficulty and a problem, and I'm trying to use that extreme analogy to bring out the point that our logic, our reasoning, our conclusions aren't the final authority. 
Well, I discovered it, so it just must be true. Well, I researched it on Wikipedia and YouTube and Google and. Okay, great. But if God made a promise to you, and by the way, he promised us trials and problems. He wants to keep our eyes affixed on him. That's why it says looking for that blessed hope. Because <laughs> down here, it ain't blessed looking at circumstances and problems. Right. Right. Keep your eyes on him. If you depend on your own efforts, you can call yourself a pessimist. And if you count on God's promise and his efforts, then you can really call yourself an optimist. Okay? That's not in the Bible, but I think that'll... You want the best to happen? Be an optimist and look to God. You want to be a pessimist? The worst is going to happen when you depend on you and I depend on me. You know how many Christians let me down? As many as let you down. You know how many preachers done me wrong? As many as have done you wrong. You know, my friend, my, my good my good friend. Known him for over 20 years, probably almost close to 30 years now. We used to have a saying. We'd say this. He was a salesman. I stole the saying from him. If there's a fish on the door, drive some more. <laughs> what? Because he... See, he had some bad experiences with some Christians with money. You know how many people have been burnt by Christians regarding money? Doctrinal statement didn't change. <laughs> Just doing people wrong, doing people dirty. There's a fish on the door, drive some more. I'm not saying it's Bible, but I am saying it's kind of funny that people have to come up with say, well, they're not there's memes nowadays, but why? Because they've been done wrong. By God's people. It's not God's fault. And Abraham's righteousness. Was not a result. Of his education. Of his good deeds. It was not even a result. Of his young and healthy. Fertile body. It was dead. And his wife's womb. Was the deadness of her womb. He could not, they could not have conceived Isaac if they tried to. God made a promise and he keeps his promise. It doesn't matter what people say or do. And the secret to justification by faith is simply this. Believe that God can raise the dead. Even when we were yet dead in trespasses and sins. By grace are you saved. And you've got it. You've got Abraham that's got a dead body in the sense of his fertility. You've got Sarai who's got a womb, the deadness of a womb. It's dead as far as fertility goes. And I'm telling you, we have got a we have got all of our being. We are dead, just like Abraham, and just like Sarai, as far as fertility goes, we are dead spiritually. And we are going to come to God the same way. Believe what he said. By grace are you saved. That means it ain't works. That's right. That means don't count on, well, I'm part of this denomination. You're going to die in your sins. Well, I've been going to this church all my life. You're going to die in your sins. 
You've got to come to God the same way that Abram came to God by faith. And every time somebody says, well, my daddy's a preacher or I was baptized or I was grown up in such and such a religion. They're testifying to the fact that they want to get to God their own way. Well, what if I wasn't brought up in that religion? Where does that leave me? All right, well, let's start counting good works. And at the end of the 20 minute conversation, I find out that this brother has more good works than me. Where does that leave me? Well, it's the denomination. Okay, well, if you look at all the denominations, you can find something wrong with all of them. Well, isn't this a Baptist church? Yeah, it is. But we're Bible believers first. We have Baptist on the sign, so you don't think we're handling snakes or that baptism saves you and all that tomfoolery. Okay? But we believe the Bible. And if there's a Baptist tradition that goes against the Bible, we throw the tradition out. We stick with the word of God. And if that bothers some of the Baptist popes, then too bad. <laughs> we're going to go with the word of God. At least we're going to try. That's That's the desire. Just like Abraham, we cannot produce. We are guilty with no hope. And we got to come to God the same way by faith. Now get Colossians 1, if you would. Colossians chapter number 1. All of us were condemned sinners with a death sentence, and God offers us mercy to save us by his grace. Colossians 1, verse 12. Watch what it says. Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness. You see that semicolon that connects verses 12 with verse 13? And you see how it contrasts so clearly saints in light, semicolon, and then the contrast from being delivered from the power of darkness. You're not left in the dark anymore. You have come to the light and hath translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. You've been translated. And you're better off translated than you were in your original position. That's a situation in the Bible where the translation comes out better. I can't believe the Bible because it's just a translation. It's better than the original. You want to know why? Because we don't have the original. We can't appeal to it. You want to know why else? Try bringing in tables of stone and holding them in your life. It's not better because it's different. It's better because we can handle it, hold it, flip through it, have chapter headings, have verses, have the words separated by a space, have a semicolon to give us context. And God did the same thing with you when he saved you. He translated you from a dark kingdom to a light kingdom. And you're better off. You're not a different person. You're a better off person because you're in a different kingdom. And praise God, he moved us out of darkness. 
And it says in Colossians 1, the partakers of the inheritance, he gives us an inheritance. And Abram didn't work for Isaac because it was the start of the, it was the inheritance. See that? He didn't work for it. It's a supernatural promise. Now go to Colossians 2. Watch this because we have a new standing before God. Colossians 2, it says in verse 10, well, first, verse 9, for in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily. And ye are complete in him. You won't be complete by joining a church. You won't be complete by being baptized by a preacher. You won't be complete by trying to follow the Beatitudes and the Ten Commandments and everything listed in the New Testament for commands for Christians. Partly because you and I both fail. You will only be complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. So there might be some principalities and powers of this air, but Christ is over them. Okay. Verse number 11, in whom also you're circumcised. Paul's talking to Jews in Romans 4, right? Did he address, did we address circumcision earlier? Colossians tells us we need to be circumcised, but not physically. The circumcision made without hands and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. And when that happens, you have a new standing before God. Now, you might have some folks that might get saved from our outreach, and maybe somebody got saved this weekend. And their standing before God is what we just read. But the next day when they wake up, they fight and they fuss and they go back to sin. That's their state down here. That's the state of their relationship with God, but it is not their, it doesn't affect their standing before God. Okay, so we have a new standing when we believe by faith. Romans chapter four, let's move on to the next verse. We have two more verses we need to cover. Romans four and verse number 20. We looked at his body now dead. He was about 100 years old. Verse 19, yet the deadness of Sarah's womb. And now verse 20, he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. So when you're strong in faith, that is greater than the difficulties. That's greater than the problems. What does an athlete trust in? The strength of his body. What does an intellectual trust in? The strength of his mind. What does a national leader trust in? The strength of his military. I want our military to be stronger than the other nation's military. Do you? I don't want to be overtaken by Russia or North Korea or China. Did I say that right? Is it, it's China. I don't, I don't want our nation to be taken over by other nations. I want, I want our military to be strong. 
I want my body to be strong. I don't want to come on someone to come over my house and beat me up and take all my stuff. And I want to have a sound mind. I want my, I want the strength of my mind to be there. You know, you see older people and they, and they grow older, their body's frail and their body's weak. And sister Lois has to struggle to get out of the Kelly's truck and get back into the truck. And she has to walk with a cane and it takes her a long time to get up here. And, but her mind is strong. <laughs> You see folks grow up in old age all the time. They're in their 70s they're in their 80s. And you see the frailty of their body. But boy, you can go to them for some good wisdom. Why? The mind is strong. I want a strong mind. I want a strong body. I want a strong military. But I'm telling you, that is not faith in God. That is faith in the things that God has given or blessed us. And if you want to be strong in faith, you need to look up. Not down. Self-made man is. He counts on the strength of his work ethic. Well, boys, if you just work hard. then you should work hard. And girls don't think you're not going to be working hard because as soon as you say I do, you're going to be working. He's going to want a meal and he's going to want the house clean. And, and if you don't want to fix meals for some fella, then don't get married. He's, he's going to want a meal. It's not a bad thing. He's going to want a hot meal. You're going to be working. And young fellas, you better be working. Sitting on the couch watching, becoming a video game zombie all day. That's not going to cut it. You want to get married? You're going to have to get off the couch and you're going to have to go to work. It's called, it's called work ethic. Okay? Everybody's got to work. We need to be careful that all of that doesn't become vain boasting in ourselves. That's the danger. It's not that God doesn't want us to work and it's not that God doesn't want us to keep our minds sharp. It's just that it can easily become vain boasting. Psalm 24, who is this king of glory? <laughs> the Lord, strong life. Where's your faith? In Romans chapter 4, Verse 20, at the end of that verse, it says, giving glory to God. It's a glory that worships God. It's a faith. When you say you're strong in faith, it is proven by who you worship. If God has blessed you with athletic strength and a nation with military strength and a mind with intellectual strength. And, 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 and are you giving glory to God for that? That is strong in faith. And if you don't do that, and I don't do that, all we are doing is taking advantage of the blessings that God has given us. A nation with a strong military, it's a blessing that we're not invaded and have to hide our kids in the basement every weekend. Isn't it? Praise God. Don't worship government, worship God. Is your husband strong enough to go to work and make some money and bring home the bacon as you cook the bacon? <laughs> 
You're going to worship your spouse or you're going to worship God? If you worship God, the relationship works a whole lot better. Because there's going to come a time when he's not going to do right and she's not going to do right. She's going to disagree with you and he's going to disagree with you. And where's your faith? A weak faith will just be an argument. Nobody talks to each other for three years or three months or three hours, depending on how long you've been married. You get over it quicker. <laughs> That's a good thing. You get over things quicker. Get over it. Somebody disagreed with you. Wow. Get over it. Get over it. Wife and I first got married. I couldn't believe she disagreed with me. She'd leave. Where are you going? Away from you. <laughs> yeah, that's right. You know what we got to do? We got to get over ourselves. And if we're going to be weak, weaklings, that's how we act. If we're going to be strong in faith, we get over it and look toward God. And we give God the glory. Romans 4. You get married. You don't know what you're doing. Somebody gave you a book that, oh. Oh, just in down south. Oh, just bless your heart. You're getting married. They give you a book by some author that is going to tell you how to. And then six weeks into it, you realize. That book needs to go in the trash because. God. Is taking you, not the author, he's taking you and he wants you to walk through that by faith and look to him so that God can make your marriage. And then you have kids And again you read a book or you read a blog Or you know now it's on Facebook Or YouTube Some 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 creator has how to raise your kids In seven simple steps And one guy Made a million dollars or more Over the 70s and 80s He had all the steps Except the whole thing Very quickly blew up Because he didn't have all the steps For one he was never married For two he got outside of God's will and everything became part of his will. And I'm telling you, we need to be careful of that. Somebody that's strong in faith doesn't re rely on their personal conclusion. Where do you find the will of God and the word of God? Right. So you realize very quickly, the kids do things wrong. I can't believe this one does this and this one doesn't. And you can very quickly just start focusing on problems and difficulties and just have chaos. Or you can look to God because he sees past the problems and the difficulties. And that is someone who is strong in faith. Someone that is weak in faith, the child misbehaves and he keeps doing the same sin. As if you and I don't have a sin which so easily besets us. Address it. Move on, but don't fixate on the problem. Be strong in faith because God is above the problems. James 1. Oh, no, uh, no. Uh, we need to read uh, one more verse. We need to re read Romans 4 before we turn. Uh, Romans 4, verse 21. Watch what it says. We're going to close in this verse. And being fully persuaded that when he had promised, he was able also to perform. 
That's kind of the creed of Abraham, if you could say that. He was fully persuaded that what God promised, God would perform that. Most people would say, they, most Christians all agree, yeah, God is all omnipotent. He's all powerful. Revelation 19, I have noted down, for the Lord God omnipotent reigneth. All Christians can agree with that. But I believe saving faith more specifically points out, especially in this context, that says this, God, I trust that you can make good of your supernatural promise. And your view of God's word, by the way, gives you a view of faith. Yes, God is omnipotent. We draw the lens back and we can say that as a general statement. But more specifically, will you specifically believe God's promise that the only way you can be saved is by faith in his finished work? Let's get down to the specifics. And the saving faith of Abraham is the same saving faith of us. Believe what God said. He said something. He made a promise. You can mark it down. Saving faith says, I believe that. So it's not so much what God can do. God can do anything he wants to do. He's omnipotent. It's what he will do. And Abraham believed that God was willing to make good on his promise. First Timothy 2. Speed it up a bit here. Let me get through these verses. First Timothy chapter number 2. Look at verse number 3. People ask, what is God's will? It's right here. First Timothy 2, verse 3. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. Never mind what man tells you is acceptable. Here's verse 4. Here's God's will. Who will have all men to be saved. That's why we witness. Because the word of God reveals the will of God. And because God wants all to be saved, that's why we go out and give the gospel to everybody we can. All men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. What's God's will? All men to be saved. Yeah, but all men are wicked. All men are sinners. All men are dead in trespasses and sins. You mean like Abraham's body, fertility-wise, and Sarah's dead womb? And God supernaturally made it come alive. And you know what he wants to do for lost people? They're dead spiritually. And God supernaturally can make them alive. That's the will of God. And that's why we preach the gospel. Anybody can do the natural. But most laugh at the supernatural. Which will be the last point we'll look at. Go to Genesis. Uh, Seventeen. Genesis 17, 15, Abraham counted righteous, 16, they come up with the idea with uh, Sarai's maid, Hagar, 17, they need to be reminded, and watch what happens in verse number 15 of chapter 17, and God said unto Abraham, as for Sarai, thy wife, thou shalt not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall her name be. And I will bless her and give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. King of people shall be of her. 
Then Abraham fell upon his face and laughed and said in his heart, shall a child be born unto him that is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, that is 90 years old, bear? Abraham laughs. So watch what God says in verse number 19. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac, which we all know, and if you don't, you'll know today, means laughter. Now, isn't that something? Now go over to chapter 18. Look at verse number 10. Genesis 18. Verse number 10. Uh, and he said, I will certainly return unto thee according to the time of life. And lo, Sarah, thy wife, shall have a son. And Sarah heard it in the tent door, which was behind him. And go to verse 12. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After I am waxed old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old? Also, just her husband, not the Lord Jesus Christ, just lowercase l. Uh, look at verse number 13. The Lord said unto Abraham, wherefore did Sarah laugh, saying, shall I of a surety bear a child which am old? Is anything too hard for the Lord? Abraham believed. He was counted righteous. But just like you and I, doubt comes into our life. We don't lose the promise of our eternal salvation. Because it's the faith of God that keeps us. Abraham and Sarah are laughing at this now. Keep reading. Uh, according to time of my life, verse 14, Sarah shall have a son. Verse 15, then Sarah denied, saying, I laugh not, for she was afraid. And he said, nay, but thou didst laugh. So they're both laughing at this. And now go to Genesis 21. Genesis 21, verse number five. And Abraham was a hundred years old when his son Isaac was born unto him. And Sarah said, God hath made me laugh so that all that hear will laugh with me. And she said, who would have said unto Abraham that Sarah should have given children suck? For I have borne him a son in his old age. The laughter now turns to a laughter of joy, a laughter of thanksgiving. A matter of fact, every time she calls her son over, she's reminded. Isaac all means laugh. She's reminded of her foolish laughter and that God could deliver on a promise. And I'm telling you, every time, every time we get ourselves in a mess, we can look back and laugh and say, oh, God. Oh, God, there was one time that I believed on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. I repented of my sin. I put my full faith and trust in you. And all the times that we mess up, I'm not saying don't laugh at them as push them off. But don't we have a good God who saves by his faith? We do. Last verse and we'll finish. Get James 1. James 1, verse number 6. The Bible says, but let him ask in faith, nothing wavering. 
For he that wavereth is like a wave of the sea driven with the wind and tossed. For let not that man think that he shall receive anything of the Lord. A double-minded man is unstable in all his ways. You don't want to be tossed to and fro like a ship out to sea. Don't be unwavering. You don't want to be walking one foot in the world. I kind of want to be. You got to make a decision who your faith and trust is going to be in. Instead, you've got a ship that's coming into harbor, sails fully open. It's coming into harbor. It's fully confident, full speed ahead. It's coming in that harbor and it's going to enjoy the safety of that harbor. The confidence that comes along with bringing that ship into the harbor. And I'm telling you, don't be like that ship out there wavering and being tossed. Have some confidence. We can come to the Lord Jesus Christ the same way and we can be safe, safe, confident, secure in the harbor of Jesus Christ. We've got to come to him by Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.